Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Andy Osinga is a Nashville music industry veteran. He's a singer-songwriter, a producer, a session player. Now, as an A&R executive, he's deeply involved in the development of other artists. Though, now that I think about it, he's always been deeply involved in the development of other artists, whether it was his day job or not. You may also know Andy Osinga as the host of the podcast, The Pivot, Stories of People Who Have Made a Change. For many years, I've known Andy to be a thoughtful and smart conversationalist, so I love that he's sharing those gifts with the wider world. If you aren't already listening to The Pivot, you should check it out. Andy Osinga, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast. It's an honor. And I mean, you're one of my podcasting heroes anyway. I love The Pivot. It's such a great, it's, it's been so fun to see, and I know I've told you this before, to see, you know, somebody deep into their career say, hey, here's this other thing that turns out I'm really good. I mean, you re- you are really good at what you do on the, on the, the, the Pivot oh, Podcast. Man, you're so kind. I would, I would say the same for you. But. Oh, well, thanks. Um, but so stories of people who've made a change. Yeah. Is your your tagline over there. And as it turns out, everybody's made a change, right? That's I remember when I first uh, one of my uh, I, four years ago, not a lot of people had podcasts. I had one friend who had a podcast that did pretty well. Uh-huh. And she encouraged me to start one. And so I, I said, hey, I got this idea. What do you think about, you know, people who've made a change? She goes, are you going to have enough people to talk to? <laughs> and, uh, and it turns out that the answer is, is just an overwhelming yes. Yeah. Is that everyone, no one's story is going according to plan. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, really good to hear that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and from a, the, the idea of a story going according to plan, that almost is by definition, not a story. That's true. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. if, if, if I go to the grocery story. store and I successfully, you know, find my groceries and pay for them and get back in my car. And if I came home and said, I got it, you're not gonna believe this story. I went to the grocery store <laughs> and I got my groceries and paid for them and got in my car. You'd be like, that's not a story. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, yeah. What have you, uh, what have you learned about, Storytelling, writing, you know, how, how has doing the pivot changed your own, because you're still writing songs and yeah. So it, how, how, how's it impacted you? Uh, it's, it, it's hard to count the ways. I'd say the, the biggest way is it's taught me to listen huh. um, because I'm a talker. I come from a long line of talkers, if we're honest. <laughs> and, um, the, you know, when you get the Pro Tools file of the, interview afterwards and you see how much they talk in a wave file and you see the wave files of how much you talk and you go oh i interviewed this person and then talked more than them yeah that's not a good interview <laughs> and and so then i you know sit in the studio for hours editing out all the stupid things i said and eventually the light bulb goes on i could do this in real time yeah what if i just didn't talk as much and listen <laughs> Um, and it turns out that helps you as a parent and as a spouse and as uh, a colleague and as a friend. So uh, that's honestly been the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I've taken away from this experience. Um, 
And then the next, you know, I started it. I honestly, I started it because, as you remember, I had lost a job and I had nothing else going on in my life, and I was depressed. Yeah. I was more depressed than I realized. Mm. And um, and one of the few things I had was some microphones and some interesting friends. So, hey, interesting friends, will you come talk in front of these microphones and just let me try something because nothing's working, you know? Yeah. It turned out it worked. And, yeah. um, and so initially I was very focused on talking about career and because that was the phase of life I was in. But then gradually as the uh, life became a little more normal for me and yeah. as I started talking to more and more people, and even when you talk about career, you realize that most of the times our career changes are rarely about our career. Oh. You know, they're about our health, they're about our family, they're about our faith. They're yeah. The reason that you excel in a role or you don't rarely has anything. I mean, yes, there's your skill as a an employee or whatever, but it's way more about who you are as a person, the work that you have done or have not done. And... Uh, that is far more interesting than tell me about your job experience. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, it's just it's just been fascinating to learn, and and it's been really encouraging. One one of the most encouraging things for me uh, was talking to Sally Lloyd Jones a year or so ago, um, which is always encouraging because she's amazing. But to learn that she didn't feel like she was a good enough writer to write her own books for 20 some years she wrote her first book at 41 and then she wrote the jesus storybook bible it sold you know what three million copies when she was 42 and 43 uh i am 41 right now <laughs> and so when she told me that i was 39 and i remember thinking so she's in, she's one of the best in the world at something yeah and she didn't start doing that until her 40s like what if the thing I'm actually good at, I haven't started doing yet? And whether or not that be becomes my story, the, especially when you're a musician, it's all about youth. You know, mm. a four-year-old yeah. musician who hasn't sold five million copies is a washed-up musician most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, our career is over. Yeah. Uh, so it's really nice to think, hey, I wonder what I'm going to do. <laughs> versus oh it's over yeah um and yeah i mean and every time you talk to somebody you get a different kind of perspective on that same that same kind of trajectory it's just been really encouraging and it yeah. it's also interesting having made music for 20 years um where i present a very polished version of what i want to communicate um now i put these things out where I, I say very little, the, the less I say, the better. And the response is, I get so many more emails and, and comments on podcast episodes than I ever do about the records that I make. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and people will say things like, I've been listening to you for 20 years, but now I feel like I know you. And I'm like, I said less <laughs> than I did on my record. But there's something about when you invite people into story and you invite people into conversation because yeah. that's, that's how we get to know each other. It's tell me your stories. Mm -hmm. It's not tell me the facts about you. Yeah. Tell me your stories. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, one one thing about your your podcast is it feels like it, it doesn't. It feels like you're you're inviting people into these friendships that you already 
have. Hmm. And I, and I, I know occasionally you interview people you don't already know, but but you know wh- whether you're talking a lot or not to, to be invited into this conversation that's been you know a, a lot of the conversations on your podcast are, po- are are just you're just continuing conversations that have been going on for a long time, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, you know, it's we 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 are blessed with a community of just incredible people who have been, you know, even if we don't get to see each other as much as we'd like, like we've been friends for a long time and we'll be friends for a long time. And the great tapestry of our community is, is, is pretty rich. And uh, I think is something, even though I, I I probably take it for a little for granted because I don't think I realize quite to the extent of how unique it is to have, Mm -hmm. have this amazing community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I started thinking about this, but just when you were talking a minute ago about um, about the the shift from thinking about people's careers to thinking about the you know the, even career changes are often not career changes but personal changes that that express themselves as career changes. Um, to what extent? You know, one thing when I talk to writers about storytelling is the difference between. Um, you know, in a story, forces acting, external forces acting on a character mm-hmm. as opposed to something internal in the character changing. Um, I mean, you, the, the the characters in in something from inside the character impacting the way the story goes. Yeah. Um, hmm. I assume, I mean, you, you get both of those kinds of forces discussed in your, and the changes that, that people make, right? Sometimes those are external, sometimes yeah. those are those are something going on inside that then changes their outward situation. Yeah. It's a chicken and egg, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's something in your life changes and then you have to react to that, which changes you as a person for good or bad. Yeah. Right. The the external thing that changes might be good or bad. You react to it. That changes your circumstance again, which you have to react to. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about the the cycle. I talk about the desire, choice, and consequence. So what what you I've heard you talk about it, but you and I have never had the conversation. What'd you say? You said I said you, I've heard you talk to other people oh, about it. Never. Okay. Oh, if I, oh well, maybe I'm being repetitive then. No, 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 no. It's because I listen to your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm saying I'm I'm being repetitive on the podcast now, so maybe I won't. <laughs> no, please, please go there. <laughs> no, but 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 as as you said, you you. You choose based on what you want, and then there are consequences of those choices, and that might change either what you want or what your choices are. Oh, yeah, right? It's like the definition of marriage right there. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but, but – and then Flannery Connor says, a story always involves in a dramatic way the mystery of personality. Oh, wait, I, I said the wrong thing. Uh, she says, O'Connor says a story is a dramatic event that involves a person because he is a person and a particular person. Mm. And I think that's really relevant to the stories that get told on your podcast. Yeah. You know, not just that this thing happened to me, but it, the thing that happened to me, uh, the, the, the things that happened to us are common to, you know, to us, but then the way that we react to that or, or what we do with it is, because we're a particular person. It's specific, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the Beekner thing, right? The story of one of us is the story of all of us. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's the more detail you share about your own story is honestly, it gives the listener a better chance to identify, which is so counterintuitive. As a songwriter, that's a thing we talk about a lot is like, 
when we are the world, you know, the big anthem that's just kind of has a big b- bunch of things that kind of say nothing so that they don't offend anyone and they can include yeah. everyone. Yeah. It's a song that no one actually likes. Yeah. Because the song that no has no personality. Mm-hmm. And Christian music is full of that kind of song. Yeah. A song that intentionally just says the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. So everyone can find their place in it. But it means that there's nothing to find. Yeah. Because what we, we don't want to, we want to find that connection. We want to find other people. That's why, you know, Les Mis has been my favorite book forever. And I've never been to France. I don't speak French. I know nothing about the French Revolution. Uh-huh. But it's because of the characters, because of their, you, there's, I find myself in all those characters because he describes them so well. Yeah. And the more specific that writing is, the, the easier it is to be a part, to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. I know what it feels like to have my heart broken. I know what it feels like to feel like something unjust has happened. I know what it feels like to carry guilt. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where you resonate with each other. Yeah. But except you, but when you're, but what you just said is all, those are all abstractions and generalities. Yeah. But if you just say, well, okay, so here it is. It's uh, the two different kinds of, of writing is I feel ashamed. Uh huh. Cool. And there's the, there's the, a guy walks into a store and he doesn't look up and he does the, you know, and he shuffles his feet and he mumbles and like, why? What was, you know? Oh, we we unpack his story. We learn that he did this and he regrets it. Oh, there's the shame. And we all go, we identify with that. Meanwhile, the guy that says, I feel ashamed. We don't identify with it all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's show, don't tell. It's the, it's the classic. When, when you speak directly about an, an emotion, it's really difficult to evoke that actual emotion. Yes. You know, um, if, if you talk about sadness, directly, I might feel pity for the person who's sad, but I'm probably not going to feel sad. Like the, the best you can hope for is pity. And you may not even get that. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, w- when you talk about, as you said, you, you tell a story um, and, and I, I can feel sadness in a way that talking about sadness doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. And the, yeah, the in, in in the worship music world where I live, it's like having a, a song for a, a conservative white church that talks about dancing. <laughs> oh, I feel like dancing. Clap on the one and the three. No one's dancing. Like you gotta, you gotta. The setting, the time, everything has to. It has to. Con, it has to communicate the thing that it is. Yeah. You know, it has to communicate the thing you want it to. You have to show people, and you have to create the space for that energy. Um, versus just telling somebody in a disconnected way. Um, in the in the worship music world, is there what's the path toward the specific and the concrete? Oh man! You know, I mean, every now and then I'll, I'll I'll see a worship. You know, I'll hear a new worship song that says that is specific and concrete, and it's like this is amazing. But it doesn't feel like there's this is now a cascade that now other you know other songs, more and more songs do it. Yeah, well, it's because of that thing. It's because we we have a we're scared to show um, and not tell, and it's because I think uh, the gospel. I don't know how how much you like to get into this stuff on on here, but the gospel is only relevant to people who have experienced pain, hmm. right? Yeah, and so good songs about the gospel 
that show and don't tell involve darkness and light. Mm-hmm. But we are a culture of uh, at least a commercial entity, the commercial side of the church that sells products to churches does not like to deal with any darkness. And so, we, the reason that those songs are few and far between is because it's very rare um, to have a song that someone with, that, that can show hurt and pain that's still sellable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you find them, they're incredible. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot more out there that don't get heard because the mechanism is about encouraging and celebration. But now we're in a, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to me. Sorry, I'm taking this probably way left field of where you want to go, but this is, this is the world I live in these days. It's inter- it'll be interesting for me to see what kind of songs churches sing over the next few years as, you know, 12 million people lose their jobs, a couple hundred thousand people die, we're in fear and angst. Are we going to start singing more songs of lament and sorrow, which also allows us to have more songs about hope and joy that are rooted in something? Yeah. It'll be, yeah. I hope it goes that way. It will, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that song, Happy Days Are Here Again, let us sing yeah. a song of cheer. Didn't that come out during the Depression? It did. <laughs> it did. It was a jingle, man, to sell. Yeah. Everything's- most of those really cheerful, I mean, most of those uh, you know, movies from the Depression were really cheerful. Yeah. People, people want to buy. I mean, people want to attach to something. They, they want hope, you know? Yeah. That's it's, <laughs> it's why it's hard to reach Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> Even though you know it's good. <clears throat> yeah, right. I just read The Road, and I'd never... You, you actually told... I remember having a conversation with you about The Road at least once, maybe more than that, about how many times I've started that book and not been able to finish it because it's so bleak. Yeah. Did you make it through this time? I finally did. About three weeks ago, I finished it, and I set it down and went, well, it was bleaker than I even thought it would have been. <laughs> Man, I have such mixed feelings about that book because I... um I mean, I, a lot of people just really love it and, and see a lot of really hope in well there. written. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely well written. No question about that. I have, and, and I can't decide if, I, am I will, if I'm willing to stand by this or not, but I, I have, one thing I've said about that book is it feels like any hope you find in that book is hope that you brought yourself. Uh, so I see people who say that, that, I saw that book as hopeful. I think, I'm, I'm not sure you, I think you might have, you're a hopeful person and you brought it with you, but I'm not sure you found it there. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hard to find a lot of hope in that book. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got these, he's carrying the, he carries the, he's carrying some fire or something. Is that right? And that's a little that bit. Beautiful. Yeah. There's some moments of that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I never, I, I, I ne- the, the mother who killed, you know, there's, there's the mother who, you know, killed yeah. herself and I never felt like the book showed me why she didn't make the right, she didn't make the better choice. Hmm. But anyway, that's not. Yeah. No. Well, I, I, yeah, that one sticks with you. So as much as you want to talk about it, I'm, I'm in that. I'm, it's still present. Um. Okay. So how you've written songs since you've started doing the pivot? You've I have. That's that was four years ago that you. Yeah. So, so 
you, you may feel like you've already answered this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How has your songwriting changed? Hmm. Um, you know what's interesting is I haven't written a lot of songs since um, I started the podcast. I have um, I've helped a ton of people write their mm -hmm. own songs. Mm -hmm. So I spend more, a lot more energy doing that these days. Um, because you're an A&R yeah, just because of my job and, and just, yeah. Maybe we should say what A&R stands for. And since uh, I don't know, I'm going to let you say it. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people think it's artists in residence, but it's not. It's artists and repertoire. So okay. it's artists in their songs. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's a combination of talent, scout, manager, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Product, project coordinator and mm -hmm. counselor. <laughs> um, and with probably a little bit of a little bit of a writing teacher thrown in so mm -hmm. it's I love it it's a really really fun unique weird exhausting job yeah um, but Great yeah I, of, your, I, of your gifts it seems to me well I, to encourage and, and help develop other writers or yeah. other performers and, well you're, you're kind of saying that I, I, that's my hope um I but I have recently started writing for myself again. Uh-huh. Um and it has I and for the this is the first time in my artist career that I'm inviting other people to write with me. It mm. has been the biggest difference. Uh, I've never there's not a song on any of my solo albums that anybody else helped write. Right. Uh, which in Nashville is becoming more and more unique um, because Nashville is a town of co-writing. Yeah. Um, and so this is the first time I've ever ventured into co-writing for myself. Uh, and I I've been wrestling more and more, not wrestling, um, but I've been, I guess, ruminating more and more on the thought of legacy and what I leave for my kids. Um, not just like my place in our community, but like the work that I do, my children, when they don't live with me anymore, will invariably at some point go to, to figure out who they are, who I was, you know? Um, and so I'm wanting to make sure that the things that I leave for them to find, the messages in bottles is how I kind of think of it, that the things that are out there for them are the things that I want them to hear me say. Um, so more than anything right now, all of my writing is directed at how do I teach my children the gospel in songs? Is, are there other things from earlier in your career, things you've, you've put out there that, that, are less um, in line with what you hope they'll they'll find. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know 23 year old navel gazing that's out there. Um, uh, there's some a number of sort of songs from. Uh, there was a, a a good chunk of my life, probably mid 20s, early 30s, where I was very cynical. Mm. I was very angry. Uh, it's way easier to look at the people that have, you've perceived have wronged you 
than it is to do the work of becoming a better person. Yeah. And I chose to be angry rather than do that work for a long time. And I wrote a lot of songs out of that. Mm. Um, I was the victim. Other people were stupid. And that's not the subject of the songs, but it's definitely the subtext. Mm. And not everybody might even hear that, but I hear it when I right. I find those songs now. It's like, I can never play this song again. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed about yeah. who this person was. Um, and so, yeah, so I real, I, I'm really like, I'm doing an active uh, campaign in my own life to like, make sure that there's a, a healthy body of work that I'm that I want them that I that I'm proud of them finding. Yeah. That's a a worthy endeavor. I, I love hearing that. Oh, thanks, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um well, I mean the 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 song about um uh, was it beautiful place that about Yeah, that was the one that that was the song that opened up this vein for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. which was which was a song about I mean ostensibly it's it's a letter of direction of here's what you should do after I die. You know, yeah. scatter my ashes in beautiful places so you have an excuse to go see the world. But yeah. but you know, obviously the subtext of that song is like, go see the world. Go have an adventure. Yeah. You know, like live a life of adventure with people that you love. And um and yeah, I just now once once you kind of have once you put something out there like that in your own life now now you have to view everything else through that lens what do you mean i don't understand what you mean when you say that like once you start once you have that conversation to go oh my kids like this song is specifically for my kids to find right yeah. like i'll play it at a concert but really it's not for them it's for my kids mm-hmm. in a long time which means that they're also going to find these other songs, which means, what am I doing? <laughs> okay, all right. You know, so it, it doesn't necessarily change everything I'm going to write, but it changed it, it. It definitely has pointed things in a different direction. Like, I love the song "Space Pirates" that I, yeah, made for the you know, yeah, and that's my children's favorite song. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, and I'll probably do more dumb things like that. <laughs> um, but, um. Like, do, but do I have a song that my kids can walk down the aisle to, or that they yeah. can, you know? Uh, I don't know. There's just there's these other. There, you just it. It's just made me realize, like, oh, I've been. Most of my music has been very self-centered. It's been about mm-hmm. me. What I want you to think about me. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of my life has been that. And so I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to live that kind of life. Like I want to live a life where people are better for the conversations that we've had, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I think that's just getting older. You start to realize that that stuff, that that's what is important and that you have to do internal work to be able to do the thing, to be the, to do the kind of work that you want to do in the rest of the world. You have to do that work in your own self first. Yeah. Um, can you, can you put a finger on, or was, it just, was this a really gradual process? the change from I'm going to see what, you know, this sort of self-centered approach to um, I'm going to write songs that, that create a certain vision of me to being a little more other centered in your, in your writing. Was that, was that a slow process, a quick process? Uh, 
Yeah, it, it's um, it's definitely been a slow process, and a number of things contribute to it. One is that your children say things like, "Dad, why are all your songs sad?" Uh, and that's one of me. Oh, that's that's not a good thing. Um, it's like you're funny. Why are your songs sad? Um, but then the the fact is like six, seven years ago, I started this part of my career where I help other artists. And mm-hmm. um, and the first couple years of that were very hard because I'm a four, I'm too special. You need to know how special I am as well as while well, I'm helping you also. <laughs> you know, um, and it's just, it's, you know, it's the any the life of any kind of discipleship is eventually you learn more and more to just get out of your own way and that yeah. um so I'd like to think that it's all a reflection of just you know he who began a good work is faithful to complete it more than it is any conscious decision of my own yeah yeah by the way what 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 is the answer to the question you're funny while your song sad <laughs> well uh when I was in my early 20s, when I started being a musician, uh, I it was like, grunge had just died. <laughs> but, but grunge was still very much alive in my heart. You know? and, uh, everybody that I just loved, like I looked up to, was Pearl Jam and the Smashing Pumpkins. And like, I just loved this. That was what I grew up on. And I just, yeah. so I thought that to be a musician meant you had to be this sort of like Johnny Depp character all the time right and i was just oh i was just an annoying obnoxious you know yeah dad sack <laughs> and i look back at those those times like like oh man my friends were having fun and i was too busy being sad for no reason and um when, when i met my well I'd, I'd known my my wife and i had been friends for a long time before we started dating but when we started getting closer you know and kind of started dating um, she's just really funny. And mm-hmm. when I was with her, she sort of brought out this funny side in me. And I'm not saying I'm like some hilarious dude, because Lord knows. <laughs> but, uh, but I found a sense of humor, you know, that, yeah. that turns out that's probably a, a pretty big part of who I am. And I just had no idea it was there. Yeah. And, um, and now, and then when you're a dad, you know, I mean, dad jokes. Dad jokes are the greatest. <laughs> you have this audience that's just stuck with you. <laughs> that's right. And they don't get anything, and you just say the dumbest things, and you make yourself laugh, and and yeah. then you and then you can't turn it off, and you become that person <laughs> in the office, and you become that person at church, and yeah. and it's just way better. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Also, I say the other part of it is that why do the songs turn out that way is part of that that's what i brought to the songs the other part is that most creative people that i know only write when they're sad yeah uh and that's because when you're happy you're with people you're outside you're doing fun things like i'm not gonna stop playing badminton to go write a song right now about how great badminton is i'm gonna write a (laughs) song when i see my friends on instagram playing badminton and no one called me you know um (laughs) write a song and so, yeah. um, and that's, and I, I know this from my own experience, but like uh, now that I'm the person that people turn songs into, that is the game mm-hmm. that I play is, did they write this during the day or did they write this at night? 
Because if they wrote it in, in the day, they wrote it for their job. And if they wrote it at night, it's going to be a song they really want on the record. And more than the other one. And it's probably going to be sad. <laughs> um, and so that, that's always my first the first question is when did they write it? Yeah. And then, and I'll always ask like, okay, so wait, let me guess before lunch, after lunch, after dinner. <laughs> and, um, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm in the 90%. Like I'm, oh, that's hilarious. It's, it's pretty easy to, to it's, once you start looking for it, you can tell really easily. And, um, and the, the truth is that you need a little bit of, you need some of all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have that. There is that. There are those moments of inspiration when things hit, and you just feel it, and you just gotta stop what you're doing and go make something. Yeah. And sometimes, I think, and when it, when I'm in a healthier place, that can be out of a place of joy or a place of wonder or a place of, um, you know, passion. But at least when you're young, more often than not, it's a place of sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because that's kind of, I think, where we learn. That's where we start to learn that this is an outlet for us. Yeah. You know? And then as you get better at it and as you're, you have more feelings, you have yeah. more varied feelings. Yeah. Um, you find you find more interesting ways to, to create. But, um, but there also is a lot to be said for, you know, to quote you, the habit of, just making time and writing. And that is the difference a hundred percent between my successful artists and my frustrated artists is that my successful artists are the ones that get up and do the work. Hmm. They might not always be the most talented artists. They're a hundred percent across the board. They're the ones that are doing more that are accomplishing more and that feel really, you know, then that are proud of the music that they make because you write, in, in my world, you burn a lot of things. Like you, you yeah. write eighty songs to find the ten that go on the record. Yeah. Um, and the artist that can, the artist that does that puts in the time, can build the eighty songs to pick the best from. And even if they're not the best writer, they're going to have more. That the, there's no way you're not going to find some great songs in there, mm-hmm. versus the tortured soul that will only give you ten, and three are okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so much of the the writing you writing work you do is just learning how to do that that small percentage that's actually really good. Yeah, and you never know when it's going to hit, right? Like that's the thing you can't control. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. is like when the magic's going to strike. Because and sometimes it's like it's it's the sl- it's. It's the slog. It's the days that feel like a slog end up. You come back to it and you go, that was really good. (laughs) And the days that you're super passionate and you feel great about yourself and you're just like, yeah, I'm killing this. And you're like, that was okay. Yeah. Um, It's like the the hilarious jokes you tell in your dream. And then if you ever, if you can ever remember that joke, you wake up like, that was not even funny at all. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, it's also, I mean, that's the the world of performance is that you, you know, you play a lot of shows, you, you just nail a show. You, you just, you play a hundred percent. You, you, not just do you hit every right note, but you, every little phrasing and every, all your timing and everything is just clicks and, and the audience is, yeah. And then there's a night where you just, you're forgetting words and you're, you're just, you know, stopping and starting and you're making huge mistakes. People come up to you with tears in their eyes. 
I need it tonight. This was just the perfect thing for me. And you go, but I was terrible tonight. Yeah. You know, how do you account for that? Or can you account for that? Well, I think that we, I think we all see ourselves more in humanity than we do in perfection. Yeah. Um, but also it's another, it proves further that it's not really about us and how we, it's not about how we present ourselves to people and mm -hmm. like, it's really about how people connect to us mm -hmm. and, and did we invite them in? Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, so yeah, but, but all, all that to say, it's, I, I'm now in a place where I have to, I get to assign writers. Hey, I need you to write. I'm uh -huh. going to send people to your house who are going to write with you. Mm -hmm. Cause I need to get stuff from you and 10 o'clock you have to write. Uh, yeah. And, it's it's fun to watch it's 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 i'm a better writer because i push because i i have to push people through that so i know what it means yeah um and then i get to edit a lot of people's writing which mm -hmm. also is so helpful for yourself to go oh my goodness the things i'm constantly correcting and, and suggesting for other people just like with the podcast go i could do that in real time yeah I could do that when i write too and yeah. it, I'm so much less precious than I used to be, mm. which is, I think, why for the first time I feel like I can bring other people in because uh -huh. I realize I don't always have the best things to say and other people have great things to say, great things to contribute. I would love that their help. And yeah. I don't have to feel like I'm the contributor of every great idea mm -hmm. for it to be good, which has definitely been something that... I took a lot of pride in having every great idea. And yeah. guess what? They're not yeah. all that great. <laughs> Man, if you can push through to selflessness or self-forgetfulness, hmm. it's like a whole new ball game. It really is. It's so much it's more so hard to get there. All right. So last question. Who are the writers who make you want to write? Um, can I say, do they have to be like book writers? No. Okay. Uh, Paul Simon. Yeah. Hands down. Um, the greatest of all time, uh, Bruce Springsteen, not the E Street Band Bruce Springsteen, mm. but Bruce Springsteen when he's in, alone in his garage. Uh, my favorite record of his is this record called uh, um, The Ghost of Tom Joad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if very few people have really heard it. It was not successful. Right. But it just has some of the most incredible songs. And it's like the whole thing feels like it was like the second take. You know, like the, it's the yeah. first time he got through the song completely. And they were like, yeah, it's good enough. Uh, and they're just amazing. Hey, do you know about the the time that uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen sent a fan letter to Walker Percy? Do you know this story? No. Yeah. Please so he me. loved Walker Percy, sent him a fan letter. Walker Percy, you know, I don't know if he read it or didn't read it, but in any case, he didn't respond because maybe he didn't know who Bruce Springsteen. I don't know. And so... <laughs> After Walker Percy died, his kids are going through his stuff. Uh huh. And his son finds this letter from Bruce Springsteen. He's like, what? <laughs> and so the, the son started a correspondence with Bruce, or at least wrote him back. I, I, I don't, okay, I don't know this story all that well. I've, I've now told you all I know about that story, but just the idea of that connection with, with Walker Percy. And yeah, anyway, that's amazing. I'm sorry, you're the one answering this question. I interrupted. No, you. no, I just, that's so great. Um, yeah, I love, I love his, uh, I love his writing. Um, 
And then I've gotten really into Westerns the last number of years. I've been reading a lot of Westerns. I don't think that's going to ever be a part of my personal writing. Um, but I, yeah. Um, and I, I, I really like short story writers. Um, that's kind of a lot of what I read, whether it's science fiction, Western, modern stuff, old Tom, you know, uh, Mark Twain. I love the short story. I think it's probably yeah. a lot more like songwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it feels very native to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there's a, a writer named Ted Liu, uh, L-I-U, who's mm-hmm. an... I think that he's American, uh, like Chinese parents, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, but he writes these kind of... The kind, it's almost like Black Mirror kind of... Really? Stuff, but way more hopeful uh-huh. uh, and beautiful. Like, beautiful writing, but it's about this... There are these short stories where every... In every one, there's something about the world that is fundamentally different. And then here's a here's a moral question or a really poignant personal story in this world where there's some crazy thing that's completely different about this world than our world. And it, it's an amazing, it feels very, there's a very Asian sense to it. Huh. Um, it's really fascinating. I'll check that out. I wanna, it's the Glass Menagerie. I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure that I said his name right. Um, or no, the Paper Menagerie is the, is uh-huh. the book of short stories. And that Story made me cry and cry. Um, it's Ken Liu, K E N L I U. Ken Liu, okay. Ken Liu, right. Uh, all right, Andy Osenga. Always a pleasure. Thanks I just for- rambled at you a bunch, but thank you for having me on. Well, we'll do it again soon. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.